Hello spooky listeners, welcome to Haunted Picture Palace. If you are looking for two people with soothing voices to lull you into a false sense of security while we speak about horrible things, you're in the right place. You've come to the right place, kid. If you've come for good accents, <laughs> this is the wrong place. <laughs> My accent, I'm good at accents. My name is Amelia, this is Ben. Hello. And we are hosts with almost the most. I feel like if you could come into our home and I could cook you really weird sort of ghost-shaped cakes, you'd be getting the most. But for now, it's hosts with the almost most. I mean, hosts with the ghosts is right there, and you didn't... I didn't even look at it. Didn't even look at it. Today we're covering Monster House from 2006. It's an animated one. It's a little bit different, perhaps, to what we've fashed out before. But actually, we needed a blooming break, frankly. did indeed. If we kept going down the route we've been on... We'd be watching snuff movies in a couple of weeks, and that's no good at all. No, and there's only so many times I can remove Ben's spleen. (laughs) So, we open on an autumn leaf that's very beautifully done. Yes. This film was written by Dan Harmon, who you may remember from such... Hits... I guess, yeah, mega yeah, hits. Mega hits. From such mega hits as Rick and Frick and Morty. Yeah. Rick and Morty. Whether you still think it's good or not, it's a mega hit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Frank. More successful than it than you might think it would be on paper. Absolutely, yes. It sounds like Back to the Future on Acid, written by stoners. And you'd be right. Yeah. They've done it well. <laughs> if you ever want to hear Dan Harmon speaking, it's him saying, did you get any of that? At the end of every episode of Rick and Morty as the tragic ident for his company. Harmonious Claptrap is the name of Harmon's animation company, if you like, or production studio. Yeah, and it's a good time. I don't know where I was going with that, but there we go. No, that's, that's Dan that's Harmon. Him. You may know Dan Harmon from here and Community as well. Oh, and Community, yes, which I've never seen, but I've heard good things. Straight to this autumn leaf, and I put swoon because immediately we know we are in Halloween territory if we've ever <laughs> seen a children's film before. The kid is singing the score to itself, which is a really lovely touch, um, by Douglas Pipes, which is quite nice. It really swells in places. I will be commenting on that profusely. Directed by... Gil Keenan. Yes. Who hadn't done much before or since this that I knew of, but is one of the credited co-writers on the new Ghostbusters film. Ah. Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I think worked on an episode of like the Scream television series and yes. Poltergeist remake? The Poltergeist remake, yes. So it does have some sort of horror pedigree, if that makes sense. I guess. Or at so, least went on to get some horror pedigree because they, they came after this. Yes. Tiny baby man, actually, in terms of directorial <laughs> age groups. So he was born in 1976. A youngster. So only 30 at the time of filming and directing and uh, born on my birthday so you know he's a creep like me <laughs> so the well, leaves are blowing about yeah here as well because you start with one leaf and then we get a few yeah. more and it does really feel quite a bravura move like they're showing off a little bit of what they can do yeah animation yeah, yeah, which yeah. is no bad thing it's just uh, no it's just nicely done it's not too Claggy. I also feel like unless your name starts with Pixar and ends in studios, um, you tend not to care so much about 
the background and the backdrop of your animated feature. So it's quite nice to have the backdrop brought in and I imagine it's because our main character is a house and it would suck if you couldn't quite efficiently animate architecture or (laughs) you know surrounding area so it's nice to have that detail of the leaf but also it's a scary film trope right to have creepy child riding trike well exactly a child a small child on a tricycle immediately puts me in mind of The Shining for this will be about the third week on the trot, I feel yes. like we've mentioned. Yes, I know, I've not covered it because everyone's covered it. I know. <laughs> but also I get things like Halloween H2O and the uh, Halloween sort of base and a couple of other things where it's always this kind of um, autumnal, but America's version of autumnal, mm. uh, not just wet and <laughs> it's not sad. just raining. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Horizontal rain. <laughs> Yes, the animation of the old man is incredibly interesting. He bursts out with the little girl on his lawn. The little girl I would happily scream at, I think, in a different <laughs> life. But I'm a, I'm a better person now. <laughs> Don't laugh at my lie. Um, <laughs> and he comes out and is absolutely terrifying and breaks her bike in half, we think, and she runs off crying. Go on. Well, I was going to talk about the nature of his shouting his ranting and raving well because he says do you want to be eaten alive yes which is a really weird thing to you know in context obviously we get more context as the film goes on but like this is we're in the opening few minutes here we're setting up what's happening i don't know we've even met our main characters yet no unless you count nebucracker and the the threat if you'd like or whatever it is of exactly of that it's a really weird thing to say. It's not usually, you know, it's not, that's not what creepy old people who don't want you looking at their house say. Maybe they should. Maybe. Maybe it would get people gone quicker. But it is weird. It's yeah, definitely it's weird. Worthy of note, you know. Can you talk for me about the animation style? Because I was trying to get my head around it, but I feel like I don't, you know, animation's normally my bag more than yours, I would say. I yes. Would, I would put out there, but actually I can't quite get my head around the full scope of why this is a strange bit of animation because it looks odd and unusual it does i'm aware that it shares a technique with polar express yep which also is famous for looking odd and unusual yes <laughs> it's also awful <laughs> uh, polar express is awful and monster house is great i'm putting that out there at the beginning oh yes no if it's you, great it's great if you haven't seen if it go away seen and it, watch it it's yeah. on netflix i believe it is on netflix yeah and other other platforms yeah uh, but it's it's worth your time but yes, my understanding, and I'm no expert, is that this is done through motion capture yes. or mocap. The most famous one I can think of, anyway, would be uh, Gollum in the oh. R- Return of the No Way in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and all yeah. of them, where you have an actor. In the case of Gollum, is Andy Serkis, but you know, I don't know who did these. Whether it was, I don't know why it would be the voice actors. Actually, it doesn't make any sense for them to be them. No. Nope. So, but they got people in wearing little ping pong balls that are motion tracked <laughs> by a, a camera several cameras and from the points on the frame mm-hmm. you're able to produce like a 3d model of the person that you've filmed mm-hmm. and how they move and then this that is the skeleton if you'd like on which the characters in this are built because they're not realistic they're, they're cartoony they're not like they don't look like humans we haven't tried to do no we haven't tried to do tom hanks plays everyone no, no. exactly um, thank god because that would make everybody steve Bashimi. although i would watch that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, 
Anyway, sort of like that, that bit in Being John Malkovich with all of the Malkoviches. Oh. Um, but yeah, so yes, it's executive produced by Robert Zemeckis, this film, who is the director of the Back to the Future movies and a few other things. Yeah. But around about early 2000s, took a turn into computer animation and feature animation. Yes. I say a turn, like he's always had an interest in special effects and some of the work on Back to the Future, for instance, mm-hmm. is really quite, was quite groundbreaking, you know, sort of, but he decided for some reason in the early 2000s to go into animation, computer animation, and specifically the mocap stuff like this. He made Polar Express yep. in 2004, which um, was very financially successful, quietly took a fair amount of money, came out, it's you know, Christmas-based, came out around Christmas time was oddly reviewed, had some um, odd reviews, but since then its critical consensus has sort of firmed into the idea that it's a sort of horrible, uncanny valley nightmare that's also <laughs> that's also quite boring and weird. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it. My co-host here has seen it. You tell me it's pants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, that is the voice actors uh, in the oh, Bing Pobbles. Yeah. yeah, no reason for them to be... <laughs> No, absolutely no reason. And it's interesting how frequently people slate this technique as if it's a lack of faith in the animator's ability that they can't quite capture it. And I think they're missing the idea that there's something like a thousand little balls on a human, you know? It's it's an amazing thing. The thing I was actually trying to get around was this idea of path tracing for all of the background. That was something I wanted to look at. Oh, I see. I don't know anything about that. Um, It was... It's why the background looks so strangely rendered, because it's all, like, hand-rendered behind it, I think. Uh-huh. So behind the action, quite fascinating. If you, we have any animation nerds listening, please get in touch with us, hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com. Indeed. Because I love learning about this stuff. But yes, essentially, yeah, just a hell of a lot of path tracing. But yes, but this was the next... So this was the next film they made after the Polar Express. Yes. Two years later, but it was the next feature film that they released so presumably they learned a little from the making of of that and moved on to this one although that's one interpretation the other is of course that although some big people Zemeckis Spielberg were involved Mm. in the like producer side of things they say it was directed by somebody else entirely there's not much crew the same between the films no it is more use it's it's a different application of some of the technologies and techniques that were developed by the crew for yeah. polar express but used by a different team to a different purpose and much better i guess yeah interestingly i would wager that that's because this is an effect and this is a bold statement but i wonder if it's an effect that would would work better with dark material because it's dark the, the Uncanny Valley thing would work better in a horror context right. because it's not this kind of semi-feel-good, creepy man abducts a child in the snow um, thing. It's more of an actual... Sorry. <laughs> it's more of an actual... Yeah. Animation. Yes, and because of this insane hand rendering I think that's part of the reason we have all like the fibre visible on the trousers and stuff. Uh-huh. Stuff that couldn't be picked up by just ping pong balls on a actor yeah well i mean it's the thing you can't it just gives you a wire skeleton it does, doesn't it yeah but it's how it's what you do with that wire skeleton that's the interesting well thing. they've made it nearly look like claymation in this yes scene. and it gives it a nice edge of unreality that makes it look like we're not trying to create a bunch of realistic human you know it keeps it cartoon mm-hmm. well because it gives you 
like the movements are very realistic because they are the movements of humans. Yes. Just transposed into the thing. What they didn't try to do here was then just try and put an extremely hum realistic human frame on the yeah. realistic human movements because that gives you, yeah, horrible, creepy, creep nightmares. Yeah. Whereas when you put... I think if you put something too cartoony on, it would also look weird because cartoons move in a certain way. Yes. Um, but there are a couple of moments in this, particularly with Chowder, with um, Sam Lerner's character, where it's too convincingly clearly a child with a very expressive face when he's doing things like at him when he's yeah. taking the mech out of him and stuff it is eerie to see it behave that way because they are not attractive faces yeah <laughs> we so often either really really excessively caricature a face in cartoon or really kind of beautify it you know mm -hmm. i frequently think more than i should probably because i wear a lot of eyeliner but i think more than i should of the scene in mulan where she takes off an entire face of geisha makeup in two swipes of her own sleeve <laughs> and how you know unrealistic beauty goals from disney where yeah. it's like that's that's not true <laughs> no but there's a 15 minute sequence of her going i've still got i've still got a little bit on around my around my eye can you do, can you is it i can't see because i've taken my glasses off did it can you help is it still yeah, thanks, Ben. I, I mean, this is giving everybody an insight into but, their lives they didn't ask. Oh, for. I wasn't wasn't necessarily aimed at you. Oh, yeah, my note because I didn't I didn't know when we were watching this. I didn't know how they'd done it. Yeah, I didn't know that it was mocap. Mm. Uh, and it, my note is just all the characters look like they're made out of plastic. Yeah, and I put is this claymation because I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's worked. Whatever yeah. they've done, yeah, it's yeah, worked. Yeah. And yes, you're right. It's Image Movers, whose ident thing I really love. Their little logo oh, yes, thing I love. Like it's that. it's very beautiful. It's like a train and. Um, and I actually think they might image movers might be the mocap people actually. That would make sense. They could um, be the Zemeckis company. Yes, and then Amblin Entertainment, you know, little bike, little moon. And in fact, a lot of the score does sound a little bit like a direct rip off of ET. Just saying. <laughs> if you're going to steal, you know. Yeah, why not? Yeah, and yeah. so that's basically what this little girl who was triking peacefully, well, not peacefully, loudly. Yeah. Past the Nebercracker house. A little bit onto his lawn and he came out and said do you want to get eaten alive <laughs> don't we all then we meet another bad mother <laughs> different variety of bad mother this is bad dental parents i think um yeah i think they assume they're dentists but i mean that is never sort of made explicit i mean she she is carrying she's packing the mother is packing the car hastily with a giant toothbrush and there is a big tooth big on the tooth. top yeah so my assumption is that they are d in the dental profession yes um. <laughs> yeah uh, dental hygiene for cars seems unlikely yes the father is played by fred willard ah yes i know him from anchorman what do you know him from he is in a lot of the films in this made by the spinal tap team he's uh, he's, ah. he's wonderful in a Mighty Wind, the folk music parody that they've done. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, an American comic actor. Right. From from many, many things. Mum is played by Catherine O'Hara, who I sort of recognise the voice, and it's actually Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas, so big part of my childhood. She's also the terrible mother in Beetlejuice, or terrible stepmother, and the terrible mother in Home Alone, like an even worse mother in Home Alone. <laughs> so perhaps destined to play fiery redhead terrible mums. Yeah, patron saint of movie terrible mums. I, I talk a little bit about when they're packing the car. Yeah. Uh, my note here is, like, when is this, when is this film set? Because there's a very 50s aesthetic to a lot of this stuff. 
The car has a very mm. late 1950s shape. So far, we've had, you know, a girl tricycling along and there's a, a, an old man coming out of a creepy house. This, uh, but then, when they're in the car, the car clearly has electric windows, which was the first, like, bit of modernity that popped oh. up. Now, things that happen later on place it for me in the early 80s. Yes. But I was unsure at first. Do you not find that set. a lot of American horror is set in somewhere in the 50s past or somewhere in the 80s past? There's never really a definitive time. So, for example, yeah. Love Witch really plays with that. It takes ages in the Love Witch before you see a modern car. Yeah. Uh, she's 70s predominantly, but it's it's set in a period so that these things are allowed to happen. Yeah. And I'm speaking about, again, not the ones that are based on, not the American films that are based on Japanese classics, because obviously they have a different framework. Mm -hmm. But certainly things like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. I know they came out in the 80s, but they're set as a 50. When you think of the jock, you think of Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, He's yeah. a 50s jock. Yeah. He's got the Leatherman jacket and the, all the rest of it. They kind of stuck with these tropes for a long time until things like Scream came around. Even though Scream is a teen flick in a 50s way. Yeah. Anyway, it updated the trope a little bit and had a girl as the lead and had mm -hmm. all these different bits and pieces that they changed. But really, that weird pseudo 50s turn to the 60s thing is where so much horror is based and a lot of for example I, I mention him every single podcast but tim burton you do is <laughs> is set in that strange in between time where we don't really need to know it's just to let you know that we are in a place of a time where you can leave kids alone mm -hmm. so that puts it in so the past they can have adventures yeah you have clothes and technology that mean that this stuff can happen mm -hmm. you have uh, amenities or things that they can be distracted by however it is in 2006 that this is made and yet somehow magically no one's on facebook yeah no one mentions it, any myspace or any internet even so yes yeah the, the technology the phones are very 80s no one has a mobile phone yeah, it yeah. Let's say that, these are the things that have led me to set it in the early to mid eighties. Totally. To me, but it's also generic horror book, horror story. I still argue that yes, it's genetic mm. horror story moment in time that lots of people reference, and I think actually that's because we have a haunted house story here because it's a monster uh, house, yes, right? So yeah. it's got the old. And again, this stuff couldn't happen now. And also because of the backstory, that person would have to be 120. Yeah. To, <laughs> yes, to that's a good point. Yes, yes, another thing. Um, yeah, I think it's because of Lucille Bull. And not... <laughs> you blame her for everything. I do, yes. You know, <laughs> her and that William Carlos Williams. But I was saving those plums. But not Lucille Ball specifically, but I'm thinking about I Love Lucy and yes. the 60s, 50s and 60s American sitcoms that really broadcast this, like, American Life. domesticity, yes. suburban domesticity, where everything is safe and nice yes. and happy, right? And these things, I'd put money on them still being rerun somewhere in a corner of the yeah. EPG. Certainly I remember Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie Same, yeah. from my yeah. childhood decades after they finished their first run so they've come i feel to sort of symbolize no well, not them the, 
indirectly them and yeah 50s suburbia 50 50s american suburbia mm. come to symbolize safety you know this kind of never right. never land safe place where kids can play in the street things that you were talking about yeah i also feel like it's the exact time when all of the well i'll put it this way given that the director and the writer are similar age groups and mm-hmm. those similar age groups were in their 30s the films that they grew up watching about kids getting yeah. up to stuff all happened in the 80s and had <laughs> yeah spielberg behind them so yeah. it makes sense that he would make kids have an 80s adventure yeah absolutely yeah there are stranger things of course <laughs> yes well stranger things is is pulling from the same well yeah exactly you know yeah we have bad parents <laughs> I believe there is a tooth on the cart of the dentist in Django, and that's where my brain went. But I think it's quite a common thing, isn't it, to to have this in cartoons again, in as a fifties and sixties signifier of my parents are dentists. Nothing says it louder than a giant tooth on the front. <laughs> yes, of Yes, it is hard to signify that in any other way, isn't it? Yeah, I think he she gets sent back in for an infected molar or something, you know, just to yeah. really hit it home. Yeah, but they're packing for a some sort of conference and father is clueless but well-meaning and mother is anxious and terrible is what i've put <laughs> and i agree with myself That's they, handy. the mother is fussing and just has no idea what's happening and i feel like she is the mother from home alone yeah you know? yeah yeah and the father that whole thing about, of course, I was spying on a girl. Mum's telling DJ, voiced by Mitchell Musso. And our, our hero, I our guess, hero. our main protagonist yeah. for this film. Uh, the most famous thing I could find him in was Hannah Montana, so I don't yeah. know what that does for him, but it's <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He was in a few episodes. He has been looking at his next-door neighbour. <laughs> or his opposite neighbour, his elderly opposite neighbour through the telescope. He thinks he's been spotted and that's how we're introduced to him coming downstairs and trying to explain it to his already frantic parents. Yep. And she says, look, I just don't know why you keep looking at that man. <laughs> because, and yes, the man across the road is Mr Nevercracker who has just frightened a girl on a tricycle. Yes, and then broken her tricycle and then taken it. Yeah. Her, his dad says, don't worry, dear, I was looking... Undermines the mother's authority immediately and then says, I was busy inappropriately sexually harassing women from a young age. So him <laughs> watching... I suppose it's not harassing, it's no. a peeping. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's still a sex crime. It is a sex uh. crime. I, was, I, I mean, I've been listening to last podcast on the left and they talk about how peeping is too cute a word for what it is, but they called it snarping. <laughs> they felt like snarping was a worse word. So, yes, he was. he was being filthy and coming into adulthood with the view of his opposite neighbour through a telescope which feels wrong but it makes sense for this clueless father type and during his outrage DJ's voice breaks briefly and mum and dad have an embarrassing and painful conversation in front of him about adolescence and hair (laughs) where there shouldn't be and you know sounds like you've hit puberty he's hit puberty you know Fred or whatever his name is you know just nightmare it's a nightmare for a for a teen human male wouldn't you say well you see i was a teen human male that's why i'm asking that's why i asked for your authority i thought it might be yeah i certainly don't remember noticing my voice break like that it must have happened 
but it wasn't made a thing of. I'm sorry if that doesn't help you. Um... Not even vaguely. I thought you might do something for radio, but I also wonder if you just came out a fully-fledged 40-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> With voice intact. I, the thing, I've, I've heard it being a big thing for people, but I, it wasn't, and I don't remember it really being for my peers. Fair enough. There's the, there's the siren for uh, listeners at home with your Picture Palace bingo card that we haven't produced yet. You can take yeah, off that siren in background. Our haunted house opposite with a dog that they've absolutely ruined and a car alarm they can't control. The... Oh, they heard us. <laughs> <laughs> so we're introduced then with him being outraged and not listened to. Uh, again, there's nothing... We're talking about bad parents here. There is nothing more irritating than trying to get somebody to understand your point and then saying something about the way you're saying it instead. This coming from someone who's always been quite well-spoken in crowds of people who don't speak that way. <laughs> so when I say something like, it's just inconceivable, and them going, inconceivable, a big word of me going, brilliant. I really feel heard. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, he's having frustrations and we meet Chowder. Chowder, we are never given the real name of. Doesn't matter, does it? No, but we we are never told why he's called Chowder, which I'm thrilled they left out. <laughs> I genuinely, when I first saw this film, thought it would be a terrible and disgusting plot point, and they left it, and I love that. I said, poor Chowder, he's his actual age. So he's got this mature friend, in inverted commas, DJ, but Chowder is actually, and I mean, it's never really said said, but I think they're probably around 13. Yeah. Around there, this sort of Kevin and Perrying, where one of them's changing and one of them hasn't changed yet, and and Chowder comes up and he's like, "I'm excited for Trick or Treat," and he's there with his Aquaman mask on, or not Aquaman? What is it? Creature from the Black Lagoon? Yeah, some sort of yes. Another fifties, you know, lots and lots of fifties references lying around. There's a lot of Easter eggs in the in the mm. bedrooms and stuff. You know, it really is horror fans have written this, which is part of the reason it's so good. The they they run him over. They knock him over in the car. The parents, yeah, they hit him. They hit. They run Chowder over. Not fully. They hit it like they hit him with the car, because then. Because they run over the mask after he's discarded it. Was they that... do. I think they knock him. Right. So they they or he knocks into the car in some way and it scares yeah. them and then he's got the mask on, he unveils his face, and. The dad is saying, be honest, you hoped that was him. You hoped that was DJ. Uh, you know, he's accusing the mother of wishing she'd run over her own child. They have a horrible relationship. And all the time, the, the mother and father dialogue is amazing and henpecking and, and gross. They're sort of talking over each other, which is really unusual in cartoon film. It's only a PG, this, but it really feels... More realistic, I feel, than a lot of kids' kids' films. It's yeah, got a lot a more point. to it. And it's the mother saying things to the dad, like, tell him you love him. Yeah. <laughs> About DJ. He knows I love him, you know. Blow him a kiss. He's had enough kisses. It's so creepy. I, it, eerie. I find it very eerie to see that depicted in that way. But they clearly don't like Chowder. Oh, really? I, I don't pick up any of this animosity that you are ascribing to them. Okay. They're very Spielbergian children characters, I've put here again, just to really hit that point home. And again, very Stranger Things, very Spielberg. They've got very Super 8 vibes, 
I went and saw that in the cinema. No, Did when you Super, see it? no I haven't seen it. When's Super 8 from? 2011. Okay. So yeah. this is, again, predating all of that. Yeah. Now, to me, the, the discussion about whether they're going to go trick-or-treating, yes. as they are discussing, is, is the heart of the movie. Yes. There's something in, in this question of, like, are they too old for Halloween? Yes. Are they too, too old for having fun? Which is really uh, just the, the thing that runs through the whole film yeah. for me. And it's really nicely, really nicely done and really nicely dealt with in a way that doesn't feel patronising no. for either of them. That DJ is feeling like he might be too old for it now. Yeah. Chowder is very excited for it. Because Chowder's young in the mind, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's his age. I will stress that DJ gets responsibilities like being left alone for large stretches of time yeah. with, with nothing but a terrible babysitter. <laughs> and... Chowder is just left wandering the streets with a ball <laughs> uh, while his mum has an affair and his dad works long oh, nights. Yes. You know, we'll talk about that later. But he's very forced into the child role. And this whole time, this whole conversation, he's badly playing basketball mm-hmm. outside DJ's house and sort of generally being a pest and whiny and portrayed as much younger. But actually, he is just being an actual 12 year old boy. Yeah. DJ is pretending. Oh, sorry, it's Sam Lerner who is uh, Chowder, and I couldn't find him in much else at all. No. But they're they're child actors that were there for a purpose. I feel like they only had to have the right voice and face, you know, which sounds like all acting, but certainly they weren't (laughs) prepped. In a way, but yes. They had to have the right voice and face for this kind of animation and to be able to do animated voiceovers, which are intensely difficult. Yeah, and I think they do very well. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I actually think Sam Lerner, I'm amazed we haven't seen more from him because he's quite charismatic Mm -hmm. in this role. And I would expect to see him in a lot of that kind of indie comedy from... 2011 onwards yeah where it's lots of stoner jokes and sort of talking a lot about these things i did that i forgot when i was wasted maybe that's just because of his who he's cast as yeah that's true i mean i think he might even be better than some of that material yeah (laughs) potentially Yeah. yeah they are playing with his basketball and his basketball goes on to never crack his lawn yeah and he's heartbroken. He what does he say? Something like, "I begged my mum for a dollar twenty six times for that. I've never yes. worked that hard for anything in my life," which is great. Yeah, he's worked hard for that ball. Yeah, and it was new as well. I think it was new. It was yes. Mister Nevercracker comes out looking like Gollum. Yeah. This time, do you? I think is it. Do you want to be dead? Do you want to be a dead person? Do you want to be a dead person? Is so weirdly more <laughs> threatening than do you want to die? Yeah. Well, it's his passive voice. Go on. Like, it's not I'm going to kill you. Like, normally uh, you would expect, like, you're on my lawn, I'm going to kill, kill you. you. But, like, but what we what we find out, what we find out very soon, of course, is that the house is the threatening thing. Yes. But, like, in Nebercrack is saying, like, there's an element of pleading of, like, please go away. I guess, but you'd never get that Do from, you want to be a dead yeah. person? Is Because it's not it's not <laughs> Nebercracker that's going to be killing Chowder. And so it's the threat there yes. of, like, a greater power. Yes, well, it's DJ, isn't it? Oh yeah, sorry. So yes, DJ DJ's is the, the one who goes because he's the adult and he's gone to. Yeah. Well, he's he's stopping Chowder and protecting Chowder as the adult present. Yeah. And tries to go over and is immediately caught by Nevercracker. Who? Yeah. Do you want to be a dead person? Oh, it's so chilling. Um, who then dies? <laughs> yeah. Horribly. Spoilers. <laughs> he dies horribly. He lands with his eyes open on a twelve, thirteen-year-old boy. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he has a heart attack mid rage. And he just dies on him. Now And it's a POV shot. 
I know, and it's so chilling. I don't, again, <laughs> something you can only do maybe with the style of animation they've used, but to actually watch all the muscles fail in someone's face yeah. and then them die is just so graphic and horrendous. <laughs> and as far as we, the viewer and DJ are concerned, and uh, Chowder, this man is definitely dead in this moment. Um, you killed. <laughs> Some of Chowder's lines are just so amazing, and and. Again, really Spielberg, I find, um, of like these snappy kids snapping back, kind of cool kids. I don't know, they're, they're, they're always geeks, but they're always amazing um, dialogue. Yeah, they do feel, as you say, they feel like real kids. Yeah. Like the, re- the relationship between them and and the other characters feels real, you know, it sparks yeah. true, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um no siren, never a good sign, is one of Chowder's lines. And I wondered how he knew. Um, mm. But then his dad works in a pharmacy, I realised. Yeah. So perhaps there's a lot of experience around people that are just about to collapse or any of that. Or it feels like something that parents say. You know, I feel like we've all heard that. The no yeah. siren, not a good sign. Exactly. It kind of it's, echoes. it's reasonable <clears throat> adolescent knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, oh, and yes, uh, I I killed a man. You know, I killed him. I murdered him, oh, is yes. what DJ says, and Chowder says. Uh, what is it? it points out quite acc- rightly. When it's an accident, it's manslaughter. manslaughter. Yeah. Which is so unhelpful. Murder that has to be intent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the ambulance is pulling away, and that's when Z arrives. Elizabeth. Yes. Voiced by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Mm hmm. I've put Dom Dreams, soft Dom Dreams with a Z. Wow. <laughs> because it is. It's the that whole scene with the dropping the act of being an excellent babysitter, saying we've got loads of fun stuff to do today, and him yeah. saying they're already gone, so he knows her, and he knows that that's what's happening. And then the minute he tries to act out of line, she just drops a pot plant and says, why did you do that? Yeah. You know, like, it's just so... I've been that babysitter, probably not the one that looks like they've done time. Who's, but I've who definitely... your parents going to believe, I think. Is, exactly. Is, and, yeah. And he knows. He knows. Yeah. We know. Well, we've been given a nice little character sketch of yes, the, parents the parents earlier, right? You know, I think it's important as well, you know, given some of the bad parenting that we've already talked about on this podcast in previous episodes, like, they're not up there with, with, with some of the, you know, some of the sort of... The, outright the... murdery parents that we've had or neglectful parents, we're looking at you Ringu exactly, Yeah. but they don't listen to what DJ says no, no. <laughs> he's just this strange kind of talking baby that mm. lives with them I think, you know, that that's a strange dynamic <laughs> that a lot of parents have but they can't ever see that their kid is becoming a person, they only yeah. ever see that this thing needs money sometimes and it's it's very odd so she is glorious and huffy and very much like 18, 17, 18. Yeah. He's nearly grown up, but that whole scene with Bones and the bunny. Oh, yeah. So Z, as she wants to be known now, has her <laughs> disaster boyfriend come over, played by Jason Lee, who is Earl, I believe, in My Name is Earl. I believe you're right, yes. Yeah. He is a terrible person. <laughs> He's a terrible person. Yeah, but again, he's he's just he's also what it would be late teens. I think he is. I think he's probably slightly older than her, he's maybe early twenties. Yeah, so he'll be. He's yeah. in a band, you know. He's again sort of believable. Oh yeah, douche. Douche. Douche is a great word for it because yeah. he is a douche, but he's not like a 
a horrible sadist. Maybe he is. We seem to have different feelings. I don't think on... he's a... I think there's a lot more room to have different feelings on these things when they're animated because you'll have different responses to the way something's drawn even. Sure. So I won't... You know, I'm not going to fight you on it, but, like, it's... it's her entire dialogue points out who he is. They come in, they make DJ jump horribly while he's like freaking out about, I think it's the phone call. It's the fact that his phone is calling that DJ got a phone call. He answers it. It's the sound of a ringing phone, but the phone is ringing in Nebercracker's house. Well, he, he he, he he rings it back. back, Yeah. He answers it and it's just a sort of weird noise, isn't it? Yeah. So he, like, 1471's it, or Star 69, <laughs> what, is it Star 69 in the States? Maybe. Anyway, he does the, whatever service it is that gives you the number that has just been calling you and, yeah. and rings it, and he can hear the phone ringing in Nebercracker's house, and he's just, of course, seen Nebercracker die, on die on top of him mm. and then be taken, and be taken away in an ambulance. The house is clearly untenanted, and yet it appears to have telephoned him late at night. And, of course, perfect timing. Bones and Z come upstairs to make him jump. He's obviously immediately frightened and they take the mick out of him. Before all of this, part of the reason that DJ's so frightened is that he has this incredibly beautiful nightmare. So they actually wake him up from his nightmare. Oh, okay, yes. Is that is that that's after he's had the telephone call though? That's actually it? before. I put oh. Bunny because he's sleeping with a toy bunny. Right, yeah. And I, I actually spotted it going like, Ah, oh, there's a bunny. And then the nightmare shadow creeping into the room is so beautiful. Yeah, because I have a note about the nightmare shadow, but then, of course, I don't have... um... You don't have bones on the bunny. So, yes, before this happens, he has this incredible nightmare, which is the shadow of a plump arm (laughs) uh, creeping into the room while he sleeps in this red and black light. It's so gorgeous. It is a plump arm. I didn't notice that at the time. (laughs) But yes, it's the shadow of the house across the road as well, right? And it's, it's really nicely done. It starts as the shadow of the house, ends in an arm, and then, yeah, and then they come in, scare him. Mm. He's frightened. They find that he's been sleeping with the bunny. Bones takes it off him and bless him because he's a child. Yeah. <laughs> DJ does say, leave her alone. Yes. He's like, oh, it's a her. Do you mind? And starts pretend making out with her. And then rips the head off it and starts ripping the stuffing just, out. Uh, just just pulls the throat open, I believe. As oh. if that's better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is terrible. And I love mm-hmm. Z going immediately into full babysitter mode on both of them. She's just absolutely pulling rank, being yeah. like, you get out. You go to sleep. Yeah, and I feel like it's a little bit of Bones well, he's strutting. Showing he's showing yeah, off yeah. in front of his girlfriend. I mean, bit. that's not really the way to show off, to frighten a child and break his toys. No, but... but she uh, does walk away saying, Bones, you're so funny. As Exactly, you know, as discussed, Bones is a douche. <laughs> he is a douche. He's a mega douche. And I put, of course, Chowder has even worse parents. Dad's at the pharmacy. Mum's at the movies with her personal trainer. Sorry, DJ has also tried to tell, during all the bullying, mm-hmm. DJ's tried to tell Liz that the phone opposite is ringing. And she's like, yeah. yay, you called the neighbours, well done. Yeah, just, yeah. Just... No, I mean, I said that this is not impressive. <laughs> no, but also it's true. It's, you know, from yeah. an external perspective, you're not going to know that the house called first. No, no. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but it's like, you know, don't don't phone the house across the road at like 11 at night or exactly. whenever it is. Exactly, yeah. put it down. And DJ calls Chowder, and Chowder has even worse parents Chowder responds that dad's at the pharmacy, mum's at the movies with her personal trainer. And I just put, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course I'll come over. My parents are negligent. Yeah. And 
I was thinking about this movie and its like age bracket, mm-hmm. who it's aimed at, mm-hmm. which is something that I'd like us to consider in the back of our minds for mm-hmm. the next sort of ten or fifteen minutes of the movie mm-hmm. as they play out, because I couldn't think of any jokes. Like that's that's like a reference that might go over a, a child's head, mm-hmm. you know. But 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 the important thing and that you'll get from that is that like his, his parents are not around and they're not going to miss him if he comes out yeah. in the middle of the night. Whatever you know, any age will pick that up. But I didn't notice any sort of sausage party jokes. The you know the animation <laughs> about the hot dogs. I know. I've seen there's it. there's I couldn't see anything that was like explicitly aimed at adults, like over no. a kid's head. But there are some quite sort of frightening things for small children in here. Well, I would say that the thing that's over a child's head is the joke that Dad's at the pharmacy and Mum's at the movies with her personal trainer. Yeah, exactly. It's but things like that. Yeah, yeah. They are it, explicit, but they won't even touch the sides with a child. But it's, it's a child will understand the information from that that its parents are not around and won't care. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Bones and Z are on the sofa. Z suddenly gets a bit of... A bit of remorse, thinking, well, what if that guy did die? Like, the there was an ambulance leaving as I arrived. What if the kid's right? I feel a bit bad. And Bones tells a story about how he had the best kite of all time. Yeah. And never, was it never crack a do? Just nicked it. Yeah, I think it landed. Yeah. Got in the tree or something? Yeah. And then he ends the story with some kind of thing that means that he gets to molest C. And she... Go on. Well, yeah, he's telling the story that basically this is... The Nutcracker House has been, like, a problem. Or this has been a famous thing. That, like, for years, anything that landed on his lawn Mm. was just instantly confiscated by that old guy. You know, if he is dead, maybe that's good. That he killed and ate his wife. I forgot about that detail. Yeah. He um, fattened her up and ate her. Yeah. Is the story. Yes. And then he pretends to eat Z and they roll around on the floor and she kicks him out saying, you're such a guy, you know, you're just such a, you have no respect for women, she says, and kicks him out, which I love because, you know, she's 17, 18. I'm glad she's learning it then. (laughs) Yeah, she's not wrong. That's what I mean. I'm glad she's learning it then. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's it's unusual to see a character do that and actually kick them out. She does half expect him to return, but uh, here's why he doesn't, isn't it? Yes, I believe he has a beer. One beer. One beer. And then goes out going, I'm on your lawn, never crack ever. <laughs> Just standing all over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, you know, why not stick it to the man? It's got some It vibes as well. You know, Tim oh. Tim Curry. Tim Curry is the oh, is the, It. He's, right, he's the, the, the creepy clown. Yeah. Right. What's the, what's the clown called? Pennywise. Pennywise, thank you. Yes, um, just a little bit of that with the kind of glowing kite in the doorway. They all float down here. It's a nice use of a horror trope, is my note on this. And this is sort of what I'm meaning with the sort of, like, there's this aimed at. Yes. Uh, Because that, like, watching this little sequence here where he goes, (laughs) oh, the awesome kite. Yeah. And he goes straight back into kid. Yeah. Because he spotted his awesome kite. It's really pleasing to me, you know, watching it at 35. Yeah. As a thing. But it was just when I started to question, like, what's the intended age audience of this film? I don't have a pet answer to that. I just think it's something to consider and think about. Uh, as a, an ex-babysitter, I am deeply appreciative of every single adult 
reference that kids films make because it makes them so much more tolerable kids love watching the same thing over and over (laughs) and i feel like the more adult things that they have in it that i can get and that the kid won't get until they're 30 and going why did you let us watch this (laughs) is even better you know because it gets you through your shift oh yeah i guess i just don't like the one you know often it's just it's just terribly crass and i find it sort of just well yeah there's no need i mean i find sometimes it's like and again i really sound like a vicar and just saying like oh it's vulgar i just think sometimes it's like there's no need for this, you know. Like, Can you think <laughs> of an example? I think is it Shark Tale? Yes. Has loads of like mafia stuff and like Godfather parody stuff in it, ah, you're which not is into that. just like I don't know. It just feels lazy and dumb. How did you feel about it in Zootopia? You can't tell me on the day of my daughter's wedding yeah, that it's a shrew. Of course, I know. Well. <laughs> I mean, I suppose Zootopia is just a better film than A a Shark's Tale. Definitely. Yeah, I didn't mind it in Zootopia, but I wouldn't have shed a tear for it if it had all been cut out, and I would have loved it if they could have done something like they've done here, where, like... Yes. It's just just an involving and interesting story. I do think it's about a quality of writing. I do. I think Mm. that also this film doesn't patronise children. Yeah. It makes something interesting for children that they will enjoy on a different level, but... They will enjoy it for longer, I would say, yeah. rather than excuse it. So, for example, things like a lot of old Disney films where they're like, no, it was it was different than, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. I will. I do really want to talk about the police dynamic because I feel mm. like a mistake was made, but not even a racist one. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it could have been a race a racist moment and it absolutely wasn't. But we'll talk about it. Well, we've said as well that like we know you will know Dan Harmon from community and Rick and Morty, and Rick and Morty. Yeah. but this feels uh, a the both of these sort of large tentpole successes came years after yeah. after this but also this feels very different I mean I know Rick and, it's, it is very different and it's aimed at a different market Rick and Morty is not for children no really and if you told me you know that the guy who wrote and created that had made a kids film. I would have expected it to be a lot more crass. I would have expected it to have a lot more right. sort of farts and burps farts and, and dirty jokes and and more suggestive things. And, you know, true. But um, I also feel like he, sorry, but I really feel like Dan Harmon understands tone really beautifully. Mm. To be able to do like Rick and Morty, I feel like we share the opinion here that there's a difference between really enjoying Rick and Morty and being a Rick and Morty fan. Yes, that's so beautifully put. Rick and Morty fans, in my experience, are think they're doing it on an intellectual basis. You know, the, the way that they're looking at it is like, gosh, that's clever, and I'm clever for getting it. And I think that's a really good thing to be able to do, to reach those people, and to reach the people who are like, lol, 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 fatalist, sort of, stoner... Yeah. <laughs> groups <laughs> i can't put it a better way but yeah certainly it really appeals to a lot of people and it's because of such amazing grasp of tone there's how do you make something like that have emotional content and yet the you know rick's, so many burp jokes as well <laughs> true but rick's storyline is like his yeah. story arc is heartbreaking and yeah. it gets worse as it continues that's true and we even touch on the fact that morty's maybe not all there because he's had such a kind of basically abusive childhood you know and all these little touches and things that are one realistic two it takes on I mean, this is not a show about Rick and Morty, but it takes on the two parents, two kids trope from 
this era, this sure. kind of mystery horror <laughs> or sci-fi family, Amer- all American dream thing, and absolutely twists it into something weirdly more realistic. But I think if you if you were asked to write Rick and Morty for children, I think Dan Harmon could do it. And yeah, do it well, with, with class. Yeah, on the basis of this, he absolutely could. Yeah. I've just realised as well, of course, that Robert Zemeckis executive produced this, Robert Zemeckis made Back to the Future, Dan oh, Harmon yeah, yeah, makes yeah. this, with, and then and then goes on to sort of create, possibly arguably his biggest thing is a sort of weird uh, homage. Yeah. I say rip-off, it's not, I mean, it's its own thing, but which yeah. certainly owes a hell of a lot. I could be definitely seen as disrespectful. Oh, I see. Of and to the Back to the Future franchise. Yeah, I think that's why he's called Morty. I think he used to be Marty. Doc and Marty, Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but yes, sorry. To to go back to the film (laughs) we're actually talking about today. There's a really beautiful shot after the kite thing where we know that that Bones has been sort of grabbed Mm -hmm. uh, where it just shoots up a shot to the moon. That's really stunning. I think it's a full moon. There's some really yeah. nice work. Yeah, Absolutely the moonlight gorgeous. is really well done as well because a lot of this takes place yes. at night, and the and it's not that weird rubbery moonlight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes they go a lot much too yellow, and it's like they're standing under some streetlights, and you know. It's like, but, <laughs> oh, I see. But it's yeah, really no. nicely, really nicely rendered. I think. I think you're just freaking out because you killed a guy today. Is Chowder's line. Yeah, I, I really like the way Chowder is, is completely on board with the idea that yeah. DJ killed Nebercracker, but is like is totally fine about it. Yeah. It's really nice. Yes. And because of this, this is that line is said because Chowder is saying, look, I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to go to the house. There's nothing wrong with the house. I'm here at midnight. You know, yeah. my family don't know where I am. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, ding-dong ditch this house. And show you that absolutely everything's fine. Now that Nevercrack has gone. Because DJ has unloaded to his best pal yeah. about like all the creepy stuff, the house phoned him and um <laughs> It's very fright night as well. It by is, the way. yeah. Because we've I was thinking about it, we've seen a couple of supernatural things. We've seen the house eat young Mr. Bones. And we also see when Nebercrack is being wheeled away mm. the the grass sort of grabs at the wheels of his gurney. It does. Which I think is the first sort of... Living... Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the nightmare, although that's not real, that is mm. foreshadowing... Important developments. Yes, exactly. It has a freaky doorbell, which I really liked. <laughs> a proper freaky doorbell. I also feel like it's something we don't really have here because all of our buildings are creepy and old compared to America. But America does have this trope of one creepy house in the street. That mm. you just don't go near, or that no, you just... and it's your classic like haunted house. If yeah. you say, "What does a haunted house look like?" You would draw this. It looks yeah. like it made me think of the wacky racers car, <gasps> the creepy coupe, oh uh, driven by the gruesome Tucson. Uh, uh, you know, and yes. uh, yeah, it's a nice bit of design. It's really, really nice. Mm. So yeah, it 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 has all the tropes of the creepy house you just don't go near on your block. Mm-hmm. Freaky doorbell, and then here comes. We think he's kind of gotten away with it too, but it was, you know, if it wasn't for those meddling kids. <laughs> One thing I really like as well that we've missed is the. To make it look like Nebercracker has booby trapped the lawn, there is a shot of under the grass. 
So oh, we yes. see it at, le- at sort of just below ground level. We see them walking on it. We see mm-hmm. him dancing on it or some character dancing on it. But we also see all these tubes and pipes under the grass that make it look like maybe yeah. he's rigged it or there's something going on. But actually that's so that sh- the the house can feel you know, the house yeah. can feel when people are coming. Yeah, everything everything sort of coming up in the second half of the film is beautifully set up in the first in ways that you don't really notice. Yeah. And I'll come back to that, of course. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I've put that these kids are geeks together. It's a very sweet friendship because they're both a hot mess at the beginning of the film. They yeah. really are lost kids. Again, thanks Spielberg. And then, yes, the, the house mouth mm-hmm. comes for him and we get the crunchy teeth that are made of the door yeah. and the house is angry and alive and it goes for them and they manage to get away. I think possibly DJ grabs Chowder at the last minute and they make an escape back to the house. Yeah, and I really, like the, I really like the way Chowder, when he's getting close, when he says, right, you know, because he's, when he's talking to DJ, he's like, there's nothing wrong with the house. Nevercracker yeah. was a creepy guy. You've killed him, whatevs. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's all fine and I'll prove it to you. And he's doing the sort of, he's doing a bit of bravado and then, the closer he gets and when he you know the camera goes and you're looking around you can see him get more and more scared you know yeah. more and more frightened and then he'll but then he'll look back to his terrified friend who's doing this and he'll be like oh it's all fine it's all okay some nice some real nice work and then yeah so the fact that they're able to sort of help each other and really yeah. cement the bond yeah yeah absolutely i will say when DJ and, this is a plot point for later that I forgot to mention, but DJ and Chowder are talking to each other and they manage to meet, not at DJ's home, they meet at the, is it like a kind of hotel but with a construction site behind it? Yeah, I, I wasn't sure, I think maybe they're building like, it's a new housing estate yes, or something. we've drained the lake Yeah, is the best bit about it and I love that, it feels like real backwater America, suburbia, like but in the middle of nowhere, you know, when it's kind of aspirational housing built in a desert. Yeah, you know, it would just... yeah. Because, yeah, it's on the billboard, isn't it? Yeah, of like, you know, we've drained, the lake, we've drained the lake. these letters. Anyway, you'll need that later. Mm. But again, it doesn't feel forced, the no. fact that they meet there. It's lovely. I want to sort of just circle back a little bit to the mm. monster house. As, as you say, with the mouth and the carpet tongue. Carpet tongue, That comes yeah. out and stuff. It's worthy of note, because usually like a haunted house or a creepy house or whatever, mm-hmm. is normal masonry, but with something evil in it yeah. in some way. But but I guess it's important just to to really like flag up mm-hmm. that this is a house that is a monster. This is a frightening, scary yes. monster house that will eat you. <laughs> eat you with its... dead person. With its... House mouth. House mouth. Thank you. Okay. So Jenny... Is a cracking character. Yeah. Jenny is voiced by someone called Spencer Locke. Again, couldn't find much that she's been in of note, but that she's been in a lot. You know, she's okay. been a, a bit part. She's incredibly beautiful and has been in lots of things. The two boys are cute, but they're not Hollywood cute, so I think this might have been to their detriment of the acti- of their acting oh, career. That's a and shame. both of them have done a lot of voice work. We'd love to see so. actually we'll have to have a look, maybe put it on the on the gram. I'd love to see the principal voice cast and their animated counterparts oh good idea yes so jenny is incredibly wonderful and she rocks up looking like an innocent little ginger thing to manically ring the doorbell of dj's house yeah of course the only person in is is z maggie gillenhall as i say being angry that nobody's there angry that somebody's there and she answers the door in this incredibly 
frightening businesswoman of the year. Yeah, preppy. Uh, <laughs> she's here. She's ready yes. to sell you Girl Scout cookies, whether you want them or not. And they, they strike <laughs> up a deal. And I love the let's cut the bull. Let's just talk woman to woman. You know, incredible work. Really nicely written frightening i find that a frightening child um you know in a way in a good way yeah. an admirable and frightening child yeah um, i've written like i respect the hustle of this yeah, girl scout exactly. selling chick also that yeah she went to this good school oh she's she is going to this good yeah. school and z is like oh I yeah got i got of kicked there. out of there yeah <laughs> Just, it's, a good it's school. a bit of it's a bit of business negotiation dueling isn't it you're setting out your position yeah but it's also they they have a mutual respect for one another or z would never have been and Jenny would never have left. <laughs> yeah. So, nice. She toddles off, but Z ends up buying some candy from her at low, low prices. <laughs> she brings it up to the boys, and the boys are in their room. They've been peeing in bottles. Oh, yeah. They are sort of half awake trying to log the movements or non-movements of the ghost house through the telescope. They've teamed up. Obviously, Chowder is as freaked out as DJ now. Of course. Because he's witnessed and nearly been eaten by the house. So they're doing all this. And then watching the house, Chowder sees pretty Jenny just about to sort of walking along the street. And yeah. they both have an an oogle. An ogle. An ogle. There we go. An oogle, ogle, ogle. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> all three. Yeah. And then they realise she's going to Nevercracker's house. Exactly, she doesn't know. And yes. they're, they're, it's the horror as well of, like, they're trapped, they're, they're trapped, but they're upstairs in yeah. his bedroom. They can't do anything. They can just watch. Mm-hmm. They run out to try and stop her. What I really like is that each time a child comes anywhere near the place that might need the warning that says beware that is on the lawn, it disappears into the grass. Yeah. So they can't even see that there's beware signs. The house is trying to trap It's them. really nice. And again, it's background. I mean, it's fairly obvious, but it's not. It's never commented on. It's just it's one of those little details. Yeah. Exactly. And there's a few there's a few things where it's like the background work and the detail work is a fair amount higher than it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. And that a lesser film wouldn't bother with some of these things and it's yeah. always nice to see them. Jenny doesn't get very far in walking up to the house before Chowder and DJ stop her. Yeah. She's got some sick burns, I'm not gonna lie. Are you men- are you too mentally challenged? Because if you are, I'm certified to teach you baseball so amazing what a line what a, what an absolute put down it's really funny and it tells you a lot about her character yeah. in one it's yeah. yeah so anyway the house obviously tries to eat her <laughs> and it's interesting because the boy's instinct is to track it the boy's instinct is to track its movements to see what's happening to watch it yeah her instinct is to get assistance and I think that's a very believable thing as well. She is actually, the boys think they're the adults. She goes to a good school. She has a very high-powered mother that she has to call by her first name to get her, you know, yes. to get her in the office. And she's very self-sufficient, but she knows that sometimes it's time just to get an adult in. So she comes away from this frightening experience. They run to DJ's house, essentially screaming. And Z comes out of DJ's house as... DJ and the others are escaping the monster house mm-hmm. and she has Chowder's dad on the phone who's like really angry. <laughs> of uh, course because no uh, one knows where he is. <laughs> Chowder's just disappeared. Yeah. Which is a thing that so rarely happens in these films. <laughs> well, she also, it, it's true and she also says no more Mountain Dew. You're, you're all clearly <laughs> hyped out of your minds. And this is Jenny in a boy's bedroom which is you know the next scene. Jenny in a boy's bedroom is uh, difficult. You know? Yeah. What's her name? Jenny calls her mother Alison on the phone 
well to Alison's mm-hmm. assistant saying can I speak can I get put through to her office please you know like she's done it all the time again I've said here it's really nice to have a lot of dialogue overlapping it's much more natural it's much more mm-hmm. realistic and Chowder again being an amazing child character for a film like this you're dead right it doesn't need to have as much detail as it does any of this film but it really it makes it a lot more rich Yes, what uh, was the watch. detail that you were thinking of there? I was thinking of Chowder saying, I know, I'm sorry, on the phone to his dad. Like, I won't do it again, I'll be home. Yeah. And then when they come, when DJ and Jenny come back into the room, he's like, screw you, dad. You know, I'll <laughs> yeah. get home after, when I want. After dad's hung up, he's being yeah. the big... Also because he's showing off to Jenny, right? Because they're both like, no, competing. Exactly. They want but, a piece. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. Jenny finds their Mountain Dew bottles filled with urine. And is not impressed by either of them. Of course she is not. I, I also mean, they're weirdos. She, she, I also love that she said, I would never normally hang around with people like you. Yeah. But, um, this is a special circumstance. She then decides that because her mum won't believe her, and I think it's when her mum won't believe her that the dog is eaten. Right. I think they're looking out the window and they're like, Eek. and she says, I think we need the police. And I also really like the thing about like the school that she goes to and... <laughs> And, and the line of like, oh yeah, I was, you know, I was going to go there. <laughs> okay, it's it's an all girls school. And then there's that, the timing is beautiful of the pause where he's like, oh, obviously that's why I decided not to go. <laughs> Which is so. You talked about earlier about like you know believable, yeah, relatable early teen, yeah, adolescent boy things, yeah, and that's a big tick for me. And it's beautifully played how, like, they can see, like, how they're coming across to this, like, hot they can't girl. control it. And they just can't do anything about it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I really enjoy is mm-hmm. that she's not even cartoon hot, you know? Yeah. Normally cartoon hot, like, a cartoon hot kid would be inappropriate. Like, it happens. Sure. Like, cartoons do it. They'll be like, they'll make, I don't know... Um, we're looking at you, Oliver and company. They'll make a, a, a sexually attractive poodle, you know, <laughs> with the hair over one eye sure. and all this stuff. And yeah. what they've done is made someone that these two geek boys would find attractive. Yeah, and but yeah, you're really right. Nice. She's not like coded sexy no, in, the, no. in an she's, adult way. She's great, though. We then get the cops. It's, it's certainly odd. I don't know if it's a mistake the way the cops are portrayed. And, of course, anything with police plays differently these days given what we know about the American police and given the media prominence of yes. the, the American police. I might have made a mistake. Go on. Oh, no, the cops turn up a few times, don't they? Yes. Yeah. So it, it, they yeah. do do cops next, then they meet Scully. Yes, because, as you said, it is... Jenny's idea after her mum doesn't believe her, yes. Yeah, it's that we, the cops. we need some form of authority. And yeah. form of authority number one is the cops. Yeah. Form of authority number two it comes from the boys and is Skull. But yes. So she phones the police. They phone the police, and the police rock up. That's uh, what's his name? Kevin James is the oh, big guy. Is he Paul Blart Mall Cop? He is Mall Cop. I know him from King of Queens. So oh I mean, wow! It's a real <laughs> career spectrum. Yeah, like from that. from. And then we have Nick Cannon, who. <laughs> I mean, I found that he'd been in the Garfield movie and Men in Black too, but also is a stand-up comedian of some yeah. of some standing lol um, <laughs> yes. in America. And uh, but the classic like comedy cop divide here of like this uh, well, it's the Laurel and Hardy thing of like a fat one and a thin one, yeah. right? And yeah. the sort of that they are opposites temperamentally and physically. Yes, yeah. but in this case, thin one is black mm-hmm. and. 
is the nervous cop. Yes. Which I thought was a very strange idea. Mm-hmm. I genuinely did. Had I been in charge of that decision, that casting decision, I would have swapped them. I would have had a kind of funny, laid back, chilled black dude yep. who's just like been here before, seen it all, done it all. And I would have had this nervous, nerdy, squiggly little bloke being nervous and like letting his gun go off. Yeah. Because it's closer to the truth, everyone. But also, like, <laughs> it feels a lot more. I don't know. It was just a strange. It was no, a strange it is strange. Show. I did wonder because I don't know Nick Ca- Nick Cannon's. No, but my thought was that we were trying to do a little baby rush hour reference, maybe a Beverly Hills Cop moment. Yeah. But also, because things with Eddie Murphy as a slightly nervous black comedian. Yeah. Were very popular as a sidekick. Yes, that's true. Then I wonder if we were trying to do that's something. A very like good that. point. Yeah. Um, but they come. The police come in. They are told that there might be a wild animal. In mm-hmm. a wild creature in the house, they don't bother investigating. They tell the kids to leave it alone. It's Halloween, believe it or not. I'm busy. I was yeah. wrestling a bear claw in the forest when I got your call. Yeah, terrible d- dad jokes. Well, the thing is, uh, that's from, and again, this is all from like the older, more laid back cop. And it is probably important as well that the young cop is really written as like a total moron. Yes, like a real idiot, like yes. a weapons grade doofus. Yes, he's he's already... In fact, I really like, and I think it's something that, again, I feel like it was just slightly not quite written right, but the the thing where they says, come over, to, come, come over here, come to the car, kids, and then the nervous cop gets on the tannoy thing. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and they're already there. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> but he is, yeah, he's, he's an idiot. Yeah, that's a dumb joke, but it did make me laugh. <laughs> no, <same. laughs> so, no help there from the cops yeah and I feel like the the way the whole way that scene plays out is kind of weird but uh, like tonally and plot wise it's because we need it later yeah well the kids are on their own right this is yeah. the thing adults don't believe them so they have to do it yeah and also it, Jenny is trying to come up with a real world solution to a fantasy problem yeah uh, so again it's a very sweet move to go like well what's the best authority we can get to help out here but you're never going to get that no. Jenny's also I'm just pushing this a little bit, but Jenny is slightly entitled. She she fully expects everybody sure. to help. No, no, strong candyman yes. vibes yes. from her. Why wouldn't the police come to <laughs> exactly. my aid? Yes. There is this one kid that might help, this man that could help. So yeah, this is after Jenny's authority figure has failed or yes. authority figures in the persons of the Popo. It falls to DJ and Chowder to come up with an authority figure, and of course, because they are little kids, little geek nerds, like their idea is to talk to like the smartest guy they can think of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whose name is Skull? Skull. Which is Skull is voiced by John Heder. Heder, Heder. I do not know how it is pronounced. Uh, he's Napoleon Dynamite to you and me. Sure. Um, I think he's done a fair amount of voice work, hasn't he, on. as well? He has done a fair amount of voice work. He is an interesting character. And I was also fascinated that they animated Skull the way they did. They obviously animated him as a kind of overweight pizza delivery guy. And I'm not being funny. But Skull ha- gives me big early Jonah Hill vibes. Oh, definitely. From things like Superbad era Jonah Hill. Um... But yes, we're here. We are finally giving us the rules. 
Yeah. It's a long way into the film to only be getting the rules now. This and is I, true. I'm pleased with that. I love it. It's sort of scream timing to give us the rules, you know? Yeah. And Skull is a hardened gamer. I think you're right again now looking at it from this perspective. He is very much an 80s pizza delivery guy that plays video games in yeah. an arcade, not on his Nintendo Plus whatever was yes, around exactly. in 2006. He's... Nintendo Plus. All right, did Graham. I just do an old movie? <laughs> Bums. His Xbox 25. His yeah. PlayStation Sega. And he's a sort of Van Helsing figure for yeah, me. Yeah, nice. Okay, that's yeah, that's stretching that's, him quite far. It is. That's my note, right? Seek out the wise man who <laughs> will tell that? us what to do. I don't know. Oh, I thought you were quoting. No, no, it's just you're sort of... What do we do in this situation? How we seek out the the sage? Yeah, I think the reason that I used the Scream reference is Mm -hmm. because they are doing the the geek that is the advisor. The geek has the rules. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He just knows more about this. Actually, do you know who it is? It's evil. It's evil from Fright Night. Yeah, yeah, to to, to reference a film that we have covered. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, I really enjoy... You know we were talking about details and things that the film yes. spends time on that it doesn't need to? Thou Art Dead, the big game he's playing, yeah. is, is really nice. It's beautifully done yeah. and does look like a... Like I could definitely see that in a mid-80s arcade. Yeah, me too. Uh, and it just buzzes Thou Art Dead, Thou Art Dead is the last thing they see. Yeah. I do really like as well, oh, look at me, I'm playing the game without even looking. What do you want? <laughs> he's such a poop. He comes back to Nixon candy or something off one of the kids uh you know he, oh, yes, he runs yeah. away with the pizza because he gets a beeper order because he's such a douche he's a different kind of douche to bones he's a kind of i feel like bones and him could have been in the same class and life just took them on a different turn well they might have been right i mean skull and bones well yeah but i don't know this is again this is never like yeah. explicitly in the film but z is wearing a skull and bones Jeez. t-shirt and then when she go when the first thing she does when she goes in the house is puts in a tape Yes. Into the like of some metal mm-hmm. and plays it really loud, and the tape's got skull and bones written on it. Yeah. So, do you think skull and bones well, are in a band together? Well, You're bones, a genius. I don't know if they are, right? You're but, a genius. But bones is a musician, right? He's in a band. Yeah. I don't know if I mean skull doesn't strike me as the kind to be in. He looks like a synth man if ever I saw one. <laughs> yeah, and it, it wasn't very synthy. You know, he doesn't strike like. Bones looks like guys who I knew who were in bands and yeah. probably have forever. They've imagine, always looked that way, I yeah. imagine they're still around. Whereas Skull doesn't look like he's in a metal band. True. But, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I like it. I, it is, I'll go with it. It is nice that, yeah, that we have teenagers called Skull and Bones. And I also like that Skull is like a 12-year-old boy's idea of like an incredibly successful yeah. grown-up. He's no one's beaten he's, his high school. He's incredibly cool. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> he has unlimited pizza too, which yeah. to a twelve-year-old boy is like mecca. I know. The advice that we get from Skull is essentially find the heart, find the mm-hmm. heart, kill the beast. Classic. The house doesn't have a heart. It's like, well, then I guess you're all dead. <laughs> and then thou art dead flashes thou up and him dead. going by. <laughs> They're coming up with various plans, the kids yeah. after this advice to get to the heart of the house and destroy it. Yeah. They've decided it's the house and not Nebercracker's ghost. Yep. They're fine with that now. 
But again, I mean, also the way it's animated with the the mouth opening yeah. that they all see is yep. quite clear. Yeah, that's true. So they come up with this plan. <laughs> the plan is to make a model, sellotape a bunch of cough medicine yeah, cold, to it. Cold medicine. Cold of some medicine kind. that will make the house fall asleep. Then <laughs> then get in there and get to the heart. Yeah. And Chowder is doodling on the map at first. And then he's like, wait, I don't like this plan. This involves me stealing drugs from my father <laughs> and breaking and entering. And it's, it's a good point, kid. Yeah. <laughs> but then the girl wants to do it. So he's like, yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, of course. You know, Jenny yeah. wants to do it. So I'm in. Yeah. I love, I love the dummy they create. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's so gorgeous. It's got the mask on from Creature of the Black Lagoon from the beginning it's strapped to a hoover so that it will move Move with an extension cord and you say he's able to get the drugs from his dad's pharmacy because we've set up already that his dad's a pharmacist yes he shoplifts like he's actually shoplifting yeah as in he sort of dash and run yeah he it's a chaotic montage it's very short but it's them building this ridiculous creature and then it very painfully slowly towards the front door and this is the bit that feels most like a Spielberg 80s yes. kids film for me this little montage yeah the plan's brilliant it's, it's logically thought out mm-hmm. it's somehow managed to be really nicely suspenseful when the hoover is like slowly <laughs> creeping towards yeah. the house I think because we've already seen the house devour yeah. uh, bones and stuff and we've got the kids in the bins yeah. Uh, hiding out, waiting for their chance to strike. But also, I think most of the pressure is put on by the fact the cops are coming around the corner again. And they've yeah. been told to leave this house alone uh, by those incompetent policemen. Mm-hmm. And then, I really do like a bit of the to- the dumb cop stuff. I do. I think it's it's good to be sure that we know they're dumb. Yeah. And we're super cops, is what the young kind of upstart says. Yeah, we're super who's... cops, yes! It's like, I get Richard Pryor vibes from him. You know, up to and including the fact that Richard Pryor was a notorious cocaine addict for most of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bit of slang I wanted to ask you about was Diva Diva. Diva Diva. He, the, the rookie cop is shining lights in the kid's eyes. So the big, the big mm-hmm. cop hears a noise from the house eventually yeah. and he's like, I am going to have to investigate. But the other cop is, is saying, basically, instead of, do you understand me? Says Diva Diva. And I don't know what that means. I didn't pick that up. No. Just a no, bit strange. It must have just been a strange. random one. I don't yeah. know why he says it, but I might look it up and see what he actually says. Anyway. <clears throat> and then they just both get eaten by the house. Yeah, which is quite a shocking moment. Yes, because I will say it's probably because we're trained to believe that when adults can't see or can't notice or are never around for... A mysterious event like this mm-hmm. adults never get hurt by it it's a danger to children and that's yeah. not true this is a danger to everyone yeah uh, at that point so it's a little bit more frightening and a little bit less yeah it's a little bit more unusual to yeah, kill the, the authority and the cops are, yeah exactly the cops are authority figures yeah. that have been called in they haven't really done it i mean because we've seen bones get eaten yep who was a douche i suppose the police have like arrested the kids at this point and put them in the back of the car yes but you know, with with when characters like Bones uh, eaten, there's an element of like comeuppance because of what he did to the bunny, yeah, and that you know he is a douche. Yep. Whereas 
I was uh, surprised, pleasantly surprised to see the cops get gobbled up as well. Same. And I think it's a really beautiful trope and a favourite of mine, and you'll notice that I've picked it up every time we've covered a film where it uses it. But the fact, when they have one bit that's soundproof and another oh, yeah. bit that's not, I think it's really effective. So the three kids in the back of the police car who are locked in to a police car, so how are you going to jimmy that lock? Yeah. Just just freaking out watching all this happen going no no don't go in there but you can't hear them through the thing no and even if you could like the cops have already they, established we know that. they're not going to listen to them yeah and then on top of that they then can't when they see the house tongue coming for them they can't get out of the car yeah to escape the house tongue so it's even better it's even more freaky but chowder's response to being sucked into a house he has some great lines really great lines while the car is being taken into the house mouth yeah. He says, uh, I've always loved you, to Jenny, yeah, which I love. It's lovely. But I really love you. <laughs> You've killed us and now we're dead. It's brilliant. <laughs> Do you not think? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And it's it works. It's consistent. I really enjoy his character anyway. And yeah. It, yeah. It makes sense. I can see the temptation to give him the best lines uh, like that. And it is freaky. I mean, it's not quite Toy Story 3 freaky, but it is like an acceptance of... Doom. Of Doom, yeah, yeah. Again, this is sort of like, what is, this is, who is this movie for? Yeah. Is my question again, right? Like, the, the worry that I have, and this did all right. This was not like a massive success. No. But it wasn't a flop by any means. It was a budget of 75 million, mm -hmm. which is, you know, low for, for something like this. It's yeah. certainly cheaper than um, Polar Express, for instance. <laughs> yes. But but it I, I don't have its box office figures to hand. But the, you know it, it made a profit. It covered, did more yeah. than covered costs. It did all right. But but it has sort of rather slipped from view. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I worried about was that is it perhaps that like a, a very young audience would find it too frightening because there are some proper horror it film my mind, yeah. tropes in here. And then a sort of an audience around about the ages of the protagonists might be a bit too cool for school for it. I and, know. And be like, oh, this is this is for kids. Yeah. It crossed my mind, genuinely. And I think the feeling I settled on, despite it doing better than this, was that this is for slightly gothic aunties and uncles that don't have kids to show to their nieces and nephews. Well, that's interesting that you come up with that, because the thing that I came up with was that this is perfect for people who are adults who enjoy horror movies and also enjoy animation, yeah. which is, that's a that's a that's that's not a Venn diagram, that's no, a circle, isn't absolutely. it? absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, However, that's maybe not like the, the best thing for a box office marketing strategy. No. Um, yeah. Although weirdly, you know, x amount of time fast forward, they were right. As in, you know, nowadays, I think you could get away with yeah. aiming for the auntie dollar. <laughs> but uh, back then, no, people were still breeding. And my note here about them being eaten by the house in the back of the cop car yep. is the mouth on the floor is quite crimson peak. I was thinking about other examples yes. of haunted architecture that we'd see. Oh, okay. You know, and creepy houses with secrets and things to hide, right? Yes. Crimson peak came to mind mm. for this reason. And I said before, like, I think the design of the house is really good. And I think mm -hmm. now that we've established it as a monster that eats people, we can talk again about, like... Yes that element of the design yes which also works you know it works as a creepy looking house yeah and it works as 
a character, which it yes. really is and, and has become here. Yes, and I love how as soon as it's swallowed them, we get this shot of the house on the exterior returning to normal. It's almost like mm-hmm. it ruffles its feathers, you know, it sort of settles back down into normality. Yeah. And you said it looks like everything you'd want a haunted house to be, but I don't feel like it's got the kind of turrets, bells and whistles, beast's castle from Beauty and the Beast okay, thing going yeah, on. It yeah. has more of a, as I, as I was mentioning, like it is more the house you just don't go to on your street. Sure. But... It certainly would fit in where it is. It doesn't. You don't look at it and go, "That house is alive." <laughs> you know? No, absolutely. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't look like a transformer house that's about to where you can see where their eyes and mouth are going to come. <sighs> yeah, exactly. And, but also, it's not like a Dracula's castle sort of gothic exotic thing. It is. It looks quite run down and uh, yes. But I got like Boo Radley from To Kill a Mockingbird vibes. Mm. From, you know. Yeah. 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 I put another film not possible because of smartphones. Uh, it couldn't be set now as a sideline because they are lit by torchlight and it's wonderful. You know, what's that video game where everything's lit by torchlight that oh, freaked that man out? You talked about it. I did. And I looked it up after we watched the film. Yes. But I didn't write it down and it was several days ago. I think it might have been Half-Life 2. Let's go with that. Go Correct that. us if we're wrong. I might find out later that it's not and do an excessive Google <laughs> marathon later. But I think it might be Half-Life 2. But yes, it's a really effective technique where obviously you only see what is lit. Interestingly, they to get around the idea of them owning suitable flashlights, they all have water pistols with torches strapped to them, strapped yeah. to them which I love. Bless him, obviously Chowder is <laughs> very frightened and they are searching for the it's heart. A, it's a scary thing. It is. It's a scary place. And yeah, uh, they've all got guns with them as befits going in on a mission like this, but because they're all children... children. <laughs> Yeah, they're all super suckers. I love it. Super suckers. Super suckers. More water. <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously, Chowder freaks out and attacks the uvula of the house. Yeah. And when told, you know, that's not the heart, that's the uvula, as they watch it spew up some water from the basement yeah. when it's tickled with the water. Because the, the hallway is the mouth of the house. Yeah. And of course, it has all the things. It have got the tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carpet. And it's six water out on the lawn yeah. when they tickle the uvula. And <laughs> Chowder's response to this is, oh, it's a girl house, which is so beautiful. And this is why I was wondering what you meant about crass jokes, because that's not crass. No. It's clever, but it's... it Yeah, it, it really, like, skirts around the big hole of being crass. Yes. But it just doesn't quite fall in. It just teeters along the edge. Yeah. yeah. And then her saying... No, we all have one of those. Everyone has one of those. Thing, and you know, pretty not sure, me. Pretty sure I don't. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> dumb. I love it. But, um, but I love it. It's somehow not... It's not rude. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, it's a great joke. And this is... I, I did. I have seen this at the time, and that was the line that I remembered from... Yes. From when I saw yes. this in 2006. And it's also the line that's pulled out in all of the reviews, rather, they uh, mentioned this. Yeah, I think um, it's because it's a surprise to see something, again, quite clever that kids may or may not get, but it's yeah. it's not for them. But it is. But it's it is not. exactly. I mean, there's, no, yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing there that a twelve-year-old wouldn't couldn't necessarily get and understand yeah. and feel clever if he got he or she yes. got and understood it. Totally. They're really nice. The toy graveyard that they enter is absolutely perfect. It's really frightening. Yeah. It's it's every toy ever confiscated from the lawn has just ended up in this space, but there's too many of them. Like yeah. it's definitely more toys. Exactly. Yeah. More toys than there are kids in the neighbourhood just now. And 
freaky and the way it's all lit it's just gorgeous and everything looks like bones it looks like bones mm-hmm. in the dragon's den yeah well, we're in the stomach of the beast right we yeah. are and then we find a cage and we just unlock the cage for funsies yeah and go in and there are boxes of chocolates and flowers and candles and things over a concrete grave yeah of constance indeed and it is all very well i say very well lit like it's very poorly lit from a visibility perspective <laughs> it's very well lit from a film yes lighting perspective they ask an interesting question jenny asked an interesting question of like if he killed her why would he build a shrine which is an odd one yeah because people do that they kill people and then shrine them yes but of course this is a shrine deep in the bells of his house that he never lets anybody come to yes it's a you're right but it's also an intelligent question from Jenny, who is yes. clearly smart and thinking about this. Stuff. Yes. And then, of course, because DJ is a teenage boy with different bits of him growing at any one minute, he falls over mm-hmm. and is face to face with death again. He's nose to nose with the dead lady. Yeah. And it's, this is a very creepy section. Yes. And this is a, a particularly creepy bit. Yes. When he cracks the... Yeah. Is it here he cracks it, the concrete? Yeah, yeah, because it does it with his own face. He does it with his own face and then there's just the bones there. Yeah. And again, interesting in a PG to see what we now think we've seen two corpses, but we, you know, we've yeah. seen somebody die and a skeleton, but we're still PGing because nothing's... Weirdly, nothing's that explicit, even though it's said and told and, you know. No, I'm, I mean, PG... Is, this, this is not a 12. Like, PG no. is... It's suitable. It's the right yeah. classification for it. But it is, like PG could and should be, it is scary for small children. Yes. Yeah. The other kids being grabbed one by one is really great. The other pals, Mm. as the concrete cracks, the... The sarcophagus. Yes, the grave. The other kids are being grabbed by all sorts of home-based items and tubing and again very nightmare before christmas tubes well the yeah the the killer slinky that goes for one of them put me in mind of the room full of barbed wire in suspiria (laughs) did it um yeah which is like you know it's a weird note to make on a children's film (laughs) i needed him to tell me it was slinkies because i genuinely assumed that they were bed springs but it doesn't matter no no Um, but of course making it slinky you know because they're in a room full of toys yeah toys Sinister toys. Yes, and then Jenny gets grabbed, and it's all this different stuff, and again, the another hor- lovely horror trope of trying to run up steps and mm-hmm. things coming through steps, yeah. and the whole bit is really nightmarish. And then eventually, despite all being very close to death again, Jenny climbs onto the uvula, and they are sicked out by a house. Yeah, onto the lawn. And I love that. I love that. Yes, me too. Uh, It's a nice callback. It means that there was a reason for that other scene. It means that we escape. Yeah. (laughs) And again, it's bringing our lot closer together. What I really love is DJ being like, well, we've got to try again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, oh, and I will say we missed that Chowder did see his beloved ball. Oh, yeah. He loves that ball. Yes. Uh, Yeah, there's there's a line from earlier that I didn't mention because it's 
inconsequential, mm. but which I really adored, where you get that sort of, I think it's called a Gilligan cut, where you go, like, I'm never doing that, and then you cut straight to the, someone doing that, where he says, like, yeah. only a total moron would go and never crack his lawn, and then he sees his ball, and instantly is like, oh, my ball, and starts yeah. to head towards it. This is when they're trying to work out what to do, and you can see the other two just being like, oh, we're doomed. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, I mean, the, the house tempts kids saying, like, an anglerfish, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, oh, my thing, with, with yeah. The, the, my sweet kite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, the ball is bouncing and that's how he he gets trapped by the house anyway. But what I love is that Chowder's response to this whole thing with DJ going, we've got to get back in there, is I'm going to go home and have a pretzel sandwich. I Just forget this ever happened. Yeah, I know. You know, <laughs> that's me, you know. <laughs> pretzel sandwich is so specifically like a junk food created by kid yeah. who is left alone a lot of the time. You know, yeah. it's it's very much those food experiments where parents say something like there's loads in and you look and there's like there is just bread and pretzels yeah and loads of adult things like flour (laughs) (laughs) oh poor ben (laughs) ben spent a lot of time with his inner child this weekend and uh, it's angry there's just flour so i put it's a difficult age and now he gets hit with an ambulance oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) poor dj dj comes away saying we're just kids we can't do anything yeah, you know he's having his moment where he's like, "I thought I was an adult, but we are just children, and this is above us, and I hate this, and we can't do anything." <laughs> and you know, it's the frustration that you feel when you're in that horrible in between bit, which is why I've put it's a difficult age. Yeah, because it's the worst time. You are a sort of adolescent puppy. You have legs doing weird things. Your feet are too big. Like there's so many different things happening. Plus, on top of that, people are developing feelings and hormones are happening. And, you know, but on top of that, you're consistently having your power taken away by adults and then consistently given more responsibility. And then there's a level to it. So it's really difficult to navigate, I think. And we're watching him be hopeless. And, you know, I think at one point Chowder accuses him of like, oh, he's just because he's doing puberty you know yeah well I think it's when Jenny says like why are you so weird what's going on and he's like it's puberty I'm having lots of lots of puberty and it's really all over the place I just can't do all of it. <laughs> which is, is is great and it's funny but it's also true true yeah. exactly and yeah. uh, you know I um, oh yeah it's Z it's Z what's wrong with oh, you oh yeah of course yeah, yeah. oh because I can't stop having all this puberty I'm sorry, uh, just because, yeah, because he desperately needs to get to what he's doing. Yeah. But I thought about what you were saying when they're in the back of the car and you talked about you love that trope of when something is soundproofed. Yes, I do. And it reminded me, uh, courtesy of um, Italian philosopher uh, Giorgio Agamben, mm-hmm. that infancy means without speech. Oh, wow. Right? That's why mm. we have, like, infantry in war, because they're the troops, they don't have <gasps> a voice. That's horrible. And okay. so, yeah, infant is defined as someone... Who cannot speak for themselves. Wow. L- linguistically. Yes. You know? And, um, yeah, Agamben writes a lot about this idea, but I don't need to go into that now. Yeah. But it's just the idea of they are infantilized a yes. lot. They're not listened to, mm-hmm. both literally and figuratively. So, you know, the, and it, it, it's a common thing in these things, say, much like with Fright Night, where no one yeah. believes, you know, your, your teenage protagonist. But, yeah. like, often they are just literally unable to speak. (laughs) Yeah. I also like, you know, he gets hit by an ambulance, not hard, but enough to knock him down. Yeah. And Chowder's just like, at least it's an ambulance. You know, it says what we're all thinking, like of all the things to get hit with. I was, I was in the middle of writing down exactly that when you said it, which is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Simpatico. That's when it's Nebercracker, 
isn't it? Yes, this is because this is the reveal, of course. Yes, that Nebercracker is not in fact dead. Uh, he was rushed off to hospital, and is now coming home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as, as irascible as ever, it seems. Because he said, "Of course, I'm not dead." <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he may have died. Or he may have been unconscious completely. I mean, it's unlikely you'd be unconscious with your eyes open, just saying. But he may have died. The thing is, people always keep kids away from ambulances, don't they? So actually, as soon as an ambulance arrived, he would have no idea what would happen next. So it makes sense to just assume death and permanent death. (laughs) (laughs) But Nebercracker's like, yeah, of course I'm not dead. What are you talking about? Dead? Dead? And... Bless him, DJ is sort of chasing after Nebercracker saying, you can leave this out, we know what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, we know what she's doing. And Nebercracker goes into this beautiful flashback that's very strange. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't tell why... I was trying to work out why they went for it this way. So, in the flashback we see a very young Nebercracker swooning over a woman. And the woman is a circus performer who is incredibly large. She's like the biggest woman. She's voiced by Kathleen Turner. Yes. A.K.A. to me, Jessica Rabbit. What did you know her from? Uh, Body Heat. The Body Heat. Film. Yes, yes. A proper femme fatale role. Well, isn't it interesting that a deep voice can be sexy and a deep voice can mean fat? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I was thinking about it. I figured if her voice had been on a sexily drawn character you wouldn't actually bat an eyelid, despite what she was saying. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a very strange um, assumption. But I, I was wondering, because she's supposed to be like this sideshow thing and people start throwing food at her and she gets really upset and angry and kind of falls over <laughs> where she's sitting. She, she, she is presented as thinking she's beautiful and then people throw food at her from the audience and jeer. Yeah. And then she's kept in a cage. Yeah, I'm not... It's it's very odd. Again, and also because it's a flashback told by Nebercracker from his perspective, so we don't get like much yeah. of her internal and I put uh, monologue. My, I, I, yeah, she's, she's not that big, I hate to say. Mm-hmm. She's actually not that plus size to a distressing level. Like, I found it too similar to my own shape. But I also wondered if perhaps she's tall. And yeah, she I is mean, a big woman. Also, you know, I say, especially in contrast to Nebercracker, who's like a little, a very small man. Yes. In all ways. Yeah, but they're, they're not, like, no, my, my point is... She towers over him, I mean. Uh, yes, I see, I see. But my point is that she's been selected to be a freak at the circus. Yeah. For looking similar to me, but being tall. And I found that quite <laughs> distressing. Yeah. Um. You know, but she's meant to be this obscenely huge woman and she does change shape and size throughout the film and i think that's sometimes something that they get that happens in animation when something is very heavily out of proportion to other humans or it's deemed to be mm-hmm. people forget how to scale it next to the, the the animation teams that are dealing with that scene sometimes deal with it differently yes. and deal with the movement of weight differently so it's it was an odd watching her fluctuate but she's also clearly very mentally unwell Yes. It's oddly depicted. And I mean, but then I I thought that, but then I thought, you know how giants are depicted, as in human giants of a circus freak variety, Mm -hmm. as a kind of goon. Sure. She's sort of female gooning. Yeah. It's not seen as that trope. It's seen as how can this man love this utterly disgusting, horrible woman? Oh, he loves her anyway. Isn't that cute? Also, she's disturbed. I was going to say, is that 
<clears throat> yeah, it's a tragic love story, and yeah, Nevercracker like really loves her, right? He but, does. He does. Um, if I say I don't know why, that sounds harsh, but like we never we never see their relationship no, blossom. Exactly. No, no, and it's a very old urban folktale style story of her death. And I just said it's a goth, it's gothic up. <laughs> it's what would happen if this team had got hold of the story of up. But the story being that. She gets very mentally distressed, very actively frightened and distressed and and upset by some young kids throwing stones or throwing something at her on Halloween while Nebercracker is building their future home. Mm -hmm. And in her rage, he sort of calms her rage and says they're just kids, you know. Yeah, it's Halloween. Yeah, they're having fun and leave them be. But it's, it's really sad because obviously she is unwell (laughs) and she perhaps traumatized from her circus experiences although why she's in the circus is not made clear i'm 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 not these are not complaints i'm not asking so much no it is made clear she's supposed to be the giant woman and you know i was showing you pictures of dolly earlier yeah that sort of dolly dimples dolly dimples the world's prettiest fat woman I think was one of the things. So she's meant to be in this kind of freak show. And again, it shows that you're right in that that was clearly like 50s circus Mm -hmm. and that we are in 80s now because that would make their ages correct just about and all this stuff. But it could have been earlier. We could have been in a 20s circus. But, you know, it still doesn't matter. Sort of mid 20th century, early second, first half slash middle 20th century. So obviously triggered. She is concerned by being having things thrown at her by children. She gets somehow violent. She ends up pushing Nevercracker down. He hits his head on, I think, a cement mixer, and she is cemented into the foundations of the house. She falls down a big hole yeah. and is cemented in and dies. He falls over and knocks the cement into the hole or something. Yeah, yeah. When, he, when he knocks himself out, yeah. And yes, it's it's tragic and horrible, and he keeps her there. And the line is... She died, but she didn't leave. And it's really lingering. Mm. And I'm not going to lie, it's Steve Buscemi is the voice of Nevercracker, and he puts emotion into everything, even when he's just doing a cartoon voiceover because he's a great actor. And because, I mean, you'd never identify him from this. I was sat there going, I know this. Sure, I know this voice. Well, because we talked about Mm. the the voice cast while we were watching it. I remember thinking, like, oh, he's, he's doing all right, but why have you cast Steve Buscemi as, like, an old guy who dies in the first 15 minutes of the film? <laughs> you know? Yeah, but then it's That like, was the budget gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> fair question. But yeah. then, of course, you know, of course it's for this stuff. Yes. It's for this scene that he really sells. Really sensitive and it's, lovely and yeah. sweet. And it is, as we said, it's why we've included it in a folk horror thing, because this is a folk tale. It's an urban folk legend, Definitely. isn't it? It's where you would get a rumour like he fattened her up and ate her, or yeah. he fattened her up and killed her, because she would have just gone missing. <laughs> he kept her in the house, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's what she would have wanted. He just built the rest of the house around her. Yeah. And the, like, the plot that we've just laid out, here, like this backstory, is objectively very odd. Yes, <laughs> like it is weird. It is strange. Like they make it work, but yeah. like it's a weird thing. I put here, <laughs> not one person is woken up by chowder. He's realised previously in the film that they leave the keys in the big diggers on that site that said we've drained the lake. Yeah. So he's turned up while we're trying to destroy the house. The house is given chase. 
because Nevercracker has defended the children. Yep. And he's come up and he's very sweet, very tenderly saying, look, they've ruffled all your roof tiles yeah. and you're looking worse for wear and the house is starting to relax and chill. But he does have dynamite in a little bucket and he used to be a demolition expert. So, yep. you know, she's kind of sensing something's wrong and then gives chase and grows terrifying Baba Yaga type leg things. Yeah, the trees from the garden become the arms. They do, that's amazing. Yeah. And now that we know what Constance looks like, there's this real sense of the house being her a lot more so. That's yeah. really nicely done. That's it shows cool. how good the design is. Mm. But she's chasing after them. And I said, yeah, no one's waking up here. It's suburbia. Everyone's waking up. No one's coming to the window. They no, don't exactly. Want it now. Going, oh, there's a horrible noise outside. Leave each other alone. Yeah. And then here's, what's his name? Chowder just being full metal. Like... How are you? How do you know how to drive that thing? And I'm going. I have no. I don't. No. I don't know. I'm just mashing buttons and yeah. screaming. He's amazing. <laughs> I've also written here, child. Please blow up my housewife or wife house. <laughs> well, the demolition expert stuff is important because, and again, this is foreshadowed earlier. Yeah. We get we look at the photographs of his life of yeah. his life in the house. You know, and but it means that he's been aware for a while that this is a problem mm. and something has to be done about it, which helps to soften this, like, we're going to kill your dead wife and destroy your house. Having him on board, having him on side here, Mm -hmm. it just makes that a little bit... It's still jarring because the whole idea of the sort of housewife that has to be killed is weird. It's objectively very, very weird. Again, I I can just hear the... The up thing. Oh, yeah. And you'll recognise the music. Yeah. <laughs> just um, float the house, floating yeah. and then exploding, you know. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> going all that way to push her off Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I know that film scarred you. I, oh. I won't take you back there. No. But this sequence of the fight with the digger... It's absolutely amazing. It's so gripping, Brilliant. no pun intended. No, it's really good. It's really good. And I said, how do you make a house simultaneously look evil, sad, and worried? Yeah. So amazing. It looks so heartbroken by Nevercracker's actions, and yeah. yet is just a big house with, like, tree arms. DJ has the explosives. Chowder is trying to use the digger to bring the house closer to the crane so they can chuck the dynamite down the chimney. Yep, yeah, because they've worked out that the chimney's been smoking ever since Nevercracker left, and that... That's probably the heart. That's probably the heart. If you can get something. Yeah. But it's easy to say, let's get something down the chimney. It's harder to sort of do it in reality, especially when the house is alive and trying yeah. to kill you. And I said it's looking a bit worse for wear, poor thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They have a fight with the digger, which reminds me of oh, Alien. Sorry, yes. And it, and oh, then, yes, you're uh, right. Aliens, I think, where she has Aliens the is the in, digger one, yeah. In the, with the sort of big, whatever you call Transformer that thing. Transformer thing. Transformer yeah. robot digger thing. You ain't nothing. You're a shack. <laughs> Yeah. You're and an outhouse. Yes. That's great. And again, it's the sort of like panicked. <laughs> it's perfectly like pitched, like yeah. panicked trash talk. Yeah. Where it's like, oh no, oh God. And, but then, you know, just to get, it's a great, great thing in a, anyway, in, in the great tradition of yeah. these sort of films is where you have a fight and then falls down a big hole and collapses and falls to pieces and you mm. think, oh, we've won, you know, marvellous. But of course, like yeah. every big bad, it isn't quite done and reassembles itself. It does. And that and into went, something worse and yeah, freaky. More but horrible. when they first win, DJ hugs Jenny and immediately apologizes. Yeah. And my little heart went out to him because I was like, "That's so realistic." When you just like so overcome with the moment that you're like, yeah. "Hug, oh sorry, and, oh oh no, yes, <laughs> I exactly. touched." 
And then, yes, then we get explosion dynamite. Yeah, and the because then because then DJ's climbing out along the crane, which we've, yeah. we've seen the crane has been there all the time. We've seen it in the background yep. in some shots. Everything is so well foreshadowed yep. and, and set up for yep. this denouement. And the I keep I keep talking about camera movement and lighting. I'm aware that this isn't real. <laughs> None of it's real. So you know, but <laughs> incredibly fluid camera. Mm. Swooping in and around everything going on in this yes. scene, I think coming across there, the digger dragging the house and getting closer, and it's a, it's a really well, put together, action sequence. Yeah, properly gripping, properly exciting, and again over and above and beyond what you would need from a, <laughs> cartoon aimed at children. You're right. The unnecessary kiss. Yeah. Of celebration, Jenny kisses DJ, and DJ says. I kissed a girl, which isn't true. Jenny kissed him. I kissed a girl <laughs> Don't on the take mouth. This away from I'm him. taking it from him. He was cute when he apologised for a hug. I'm not having him take the credit for a big brave kiss. <laughs> but you know, I kissed a girl on the mouth. <laughs> and then yeah, the explosion is just incredible. The whole thing, yeah. that the way it explodes is next level. Beautiful. I put Chandler looks like he has a five o'clock shadow because <laughs> he's covered in. Crime. Yeah, they've all been through it. Yeah. Um, and even that. Even that was a necessary detail, as we find out in a minute. Mm. Um, 45 years. We've been trapped for 45 years, is Steve Buscemi as Nevercracker, yeah. just shouting and thanking them and being sweet. He looks like he's going to have a go at them. He is instead hugging and grateful and happy. Yeah, well, he helps them out, you know? Yeah. In the fight against the thing. And my note here is like, oh, it's secretly a film about letting go of toxic relationships. <laughs> yes, yes, I would say... It's secretly a film about a lot of things. Yeah. And yes, toxic relationships. I would say it's how, again, up. It's up. It's it's the... <laughs> the, the weird dark cousin. It's grief. It's, yeah. it's grief that ate him up and now he's free of it. Yeah. It's loss of youth is in there. Mm-hmm. It's growing up and growing up being difficult is in there. Definitely. It's women's roles in there all sorts of secret things it is also a film about a monster house yeah but mainly it's all the other things yeah yeah yeah. i mean (laughs) i feel like the monster house is the smallest part of the monster house yeah and i'm not i realize that some of these claims can sound rather grand when we're talking about like a a, an animation Mm -hmm. about a monster house that's why we picked it exactly yes (laughs) you know i say it is also like I don't know any children. I don't know what kids like these days. And as you said, not earlier, these days. My babysitting been... experience is twenty years out of date. Yeah, yeah. As you said, I was born a forty-year-old man, and have always been thus. But I imagine that a child would enjoy this if you could get like a twelve-year-old to like get over the fact that they were watching a cartoon. I think there's things they would enjoy in here. I was thinking about this, and I really still don't know who I would show it to. I would be an irresponsible fake auntie to a much younger child I think to corrupt it early as is my way mm-hmm. I would be like yo friend of mine who is the parent to this child it's creepy watch it with them mm-hmm. treat it like you would read it a ghost story yeah but I'd mainly be gifting it to the parent <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah but it's such a strange film with such a sweet ending yeah and I put kids accept anything which I think is really important mm-hmm. because the reason I wrote that is because at the end they are doing a Halloween give back where 
all the kids that had their stuff taken by the house or by Nebercracker to keep them away from the house yep. get their stuff back as their treat. So the kid that lost their trike in the beginning of the film turns up and says, what happened to... Nebercracker's house. Nebercracker's yeah. house, yeah. Which is he a says, reasonable question, given that it's not just a big hole in the ground. It turned into a monster and tried to eat kids. And she's like, okay, thanks yeah. for my bike. That's and <laughs> I, that's why I put kids will accept anything with a heart. Because yeah, that's a very good point. Very well done. Yeah. Of course. Also, good luck with the puberty is another <laughs> line. Good luck with the puberty. Good luck with the puberty, yeah. And I said DJ's really grown up, and I think it's because Chowder's like, she touched my butt. <laughs> and he's like that's nice chowder you know yeah. pat pat you know i'm yeah. not gonna tell you i kissed a girl on the mouth because i'm older than that now that's true but mm. he also decides that they are gonna go trick or treat. he sees the value in fun yeah yeah that's that's what i was trying to phrase yes absolutely yeah. Yeah. he sees the value in fun now because we've had a horror experience it would be yeah. nice to have some fun chowder loves candy and has a really childlike response to candy also nearly the et theme at the end mm-hmm. very close and here's Bones, who crawls out of the hole to find Z and Skull. Oh, yeah. Skull's different. It's oh, just... she says Skull, yeah. Yeah. Skull's yeah. different. And she's got her Skull and Bones t-shirt on. Yeah. And picks Skull over Bones just yeah, at well, the end. You know, again, it's maybe a little bit of character development for her, right? Cause I she think threw... so. She's learning and growing. Yeah. And again, women's roles. This is what I meant. Like, she has the freedom to choose. Yeah, it's definitely there, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the reason I mentioned the five o'clock shadow is because the <laughs> despondent parents turned back up. And she's like, are you dirty pirates? <laughs> <laughs> so nice. Like, yeah, we're dirty I pirates. Also particularly enjoy, yes, the glee and the relief with which this is seized upon by yes. our child. Yes. Uh, cohort, you know, the, the, our heroes. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. But it's lovely. I, I also feel like it would have been sad if Chowder had grown up because of the events. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it does make sense, yeah. He, he leaps about when he realises that it's candy time. Yeah. You know, because he just wanted sweeties and he wanted to have fun with his friend. But he leaps about like a proper little kid. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, his entire life is built around trying to stop him being a little kid and he's holding on to it. So he's yeah, probably going to hold a, on to it forever. It's Well, I mean, in a, I suppose there are negative elements to that. But no, like but it's the, a ni- I think it's a sweet thing. It's a sweet coping mechanism. Yeah, but also, like, one of the things that we learn from Nevercracker, right, mm. is that you must hold on to some of that joy, some of that, like... Because when you see oh, him, when, when you he see him talking, against the kids. when we see Nevercracker in the flashback saying, "Oh, they're just kids," you know, yeah. and then you see him sincerely thanking our heroes after yes. they've blown up his house, and then when you see him evidently enjoying giving all these toys out yes. at the end, yes, it's one of the things. It's like hold on to childhood fun, right? It prevents yeah. desiccation of the soul. Is it also an entire film about being listened to? Yeah, that's there too, yeah. <laughs> Just again and again, actually, the more I think about it. So, like, Z and Bones, mm-hmm. he didn't listen to her, he got kicked out. The kids don't get listened to throughout the whole film. The police didn't listen, they got punished. Yeah. Constance didn't listen when he said, leave them be. Yeah. And f- ended up pasted into the walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, all of these things, and it's, it's the unseen people. So maybe the excessively large woman mm-hmm. and the kids that no one cares about yeah. and there's a lot of unseen people like I feel like Skull is a real down and outer that's used it to his own 
the advantage. Yeah. He's got cool credit by being a sad kid. Yeah, he's he's got cool credit among like twelve year old geek boys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> People crawling out of the hole at the end of the police. Yes. And uh, I've said before, it's a PG certificate. Mm-hmm. I think it is dead on for a PG certificate. Mm-hmm. But in order to get that PG certificate, they, they had to do a couple of things. One of which was an overdubbing of Jenny's line with the bottle, where she says, like, is that pee? It was, is that piss? But they changed it to pee. Piss was not acceptable at PG. Shang. Pee was. And the other was that the people who'd been eaten by the house had to be seen to be not dead at right. the end. So them crawling out was, Over a, the credits. was a stipulation yes. of the classification board. Because then they haven't been eaten by the house and they're alive, and it means that if anybody was upset by that, yeah, you know, any young children, you can yeah. say, "Look, they're fine. They're a little bit like confused by what went on." I would have had generations of children crawl out the same age they were when the house <laughs> ate them. That's more horrifying. I know, <laughs> and I would have had a lot more swearing. I would have made a horror film. <laughs> well, a lot of the creative staff did go on to make horror films. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, there's, there's clearly a lot of. <laughs> horror DNA in this, even though it is also suitable for supervised children. Oh, just, I suppose, finally, the closure of the Are We Too Old for Trick-or-Treating arc Yes. is, why I say it's the heart of the film, and is much more important than, like, who gets the girl. Yeah. Which would be, like, is your sort of standard plot driver for this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they use their rivalry for this, but it's mainly used for comedic purposes they never, yeah, yeah, yeah. They never they, and they just don't fall out over her no because why would they also she just gets in her car and leaves yeah. like it's not like we're going to be together forever no. it's which is lovely it's, it's just really like nice. a, bye you guys are weird yeah. that this was weird this was weird <laughs> <laughs> that thing about childhood and being listened to and and all yeah. of the 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 themes and all the things are much better served by like i'm not too old for trick-or-treating Let's do it. Let's have fun. It's a, it's a great ending. Yeah. A great lovely. ending. Really well done. Yeah. <sighs> so. Are you right? I was just thinking, I am technically too old to trick or treat. And I was yes. like, not if I had children near me. No, that's true. That I knew. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm dressed up because they aren't. Rather than, like, I work in a spiritual witchy shop in Edinburgh. And obviously I look like I'm ready for Halloween a lot of the time. But. On yes. Halloween, what? I mean, you would look like that even if you didn't work in a spiritual witchy shop. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> me personally, I look like a Halloween prop a lot of the time. Of a witch, <laughs> and so my Halloween getup was just the same, but a bit deader. And parents coming in with kids all day because the owner of the shop spent a lot of her life growing up in America and Canada and all these places so she's got a good affinity with Halloween and she'll have like goodie bags for the kids and snacks and stuff for them to come in if they're in costume they get little bits to take away and parents coming in going doesn't she look good and me going thanks <laughs> you know this is just how I always look <laughs> but, compliment. exactly yeah. but that's that's the closest I've been to trick-or-treating in a very long time is being the treater it yeah. would be nice to to do some knocking about and see who who does it we should borrow some children do you know <laughs> yeah. any i know a couple actually yeah, yeah we'll give it a go we'll maybe make them watch this as well and see what they think <laughs> and then give them a lot of chocolate and then be like night and then yeah have them back have them back mum here you go and then sort of as you're waving them goodbye just look behind them and look worried <laughs> this yeah i shouldn't be allowed near children 
But uh, to close. <laughs> but what? Uh, to close, I was going to say I, I commend this film to you. It's a lot of fun. Yes. Um, let's say that all of this stuff that we talked about is there. Yes. But it is also just a fun film. Fun. I think it would be enjoyable for a child of, of this kind of age if you could persuade them to watch a cartoon. If you can persuade them, you know that. Uh, Animated to put movies. down their Tamagotchi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop playing on their snares for for ten minutes. If you can convince them that like animated films are not beneath them, I'd love to know how this works on a, a kid audience. But that would be great. But yeah. I certainly think it will work on a adult audience who have an interest in like the spooky mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's because it, it, I find it genuinely entertaining and enjoyable without having to sort of make allowances for it, for it no. being for kids. And we hope you agree that was a much-needed palate cleanser after watching Jeff Goldblum peel bits of his flesh away. Indeed, And yes. spit on a man till he dissolved. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. This yeah. has been Haunted Picture Palace with Ben and Amelia. Next week, we will be looking at... The Haunting from 1963. It's black and white. Don't let that fool you. Nope. Directed by Robert Wise, who made The Sound of Music and Star Trek Motion Picture. That's Can't actually amazing. The true story. And, but also <laughs> based on the book The Haunting of Hill House yes. by Shelley Jackson, which is wonderful, and also the basis of a recent series that you might have seen. Yeah, mega sensation on mega. Netflix. Mm. And it's another haunted house film. I thought we'd follow up. A, you know, a very different, but... Yes, a very different take on a theme. Ben won't hesitate to tell you that the first time I watched this, I was exhausted from several life things and fell asleep before the end. So I have a real treat in store where I find out what happens. Don't tell people that. I think it's boring. No, it's not boring. That's why I caveated it with I was actually tired like a human is allowed to be. But I did fall asleep. So I'll be as excited as you are to watch this. We will record that and get that out to you as we do every Wednesday. Indeed. If there is some film you would like us to talk about, if there's something we've talked about that you want to talk to us about, please email us at hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com or head over to our Instagram. We have different facts and bits and pieces about each film that we cover. We also do sort of weird behind-the-scenes shots when we can find them. I run that, so be gentle, but you can private message us there. That's haunted underscore picture underscore palace. We have a Twitter. How's that going? It's 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 there. We have a Twitter that Ben's going to improve at <laughs> HPP Pod. Indeed, because brand consistency is an illusion. Oh, I tell you what else we have that I'm also going to improve. Go on. We have hauntedpicturepalace.podbean.com, our website that I still haven't uploaded anything on, so it's still the like standard placeholder pics of like woman laughing at salad. Woman laughing at salad. Can you make it the same but haunted? Oh, we'll have a go. Yeah, perfect. We'll do that. I'll All stick right. some spooky bats on it. <laughs> Lovely. Don't have nightmares, everyone. We'll see you next time. Oh, bye. Oh, bye. Bye. Bye then. Bye. See ya. <laughs>
No. It's cool. It's because Monster House Rules is genuinely what... <laughs> it's not that film with Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> the Monster House Rules. Yeah. Anyway, that was quite a detour. I'm sure you'll edit the shit out of that. Sorry. Well, I'll um, definitely edit that bit. <laughs> Potty mouth. Potty mouth makes me want to get violent with you. <laughs> it does. Not even in a sexy way, just in a kind of... Um, violent way. Fun way. It's even more freaky. <laughs> nice and loud. Brilliant. Yeah, lovely. 